because he's got a little announcement. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Uh, morning, everyone. Uh, just want to announce some rather important Straker news. Uh, Paula and I are now grandparents, as from uh, Tuesday. Um, baby Skylar Jade Mendez Straker is doing very well. Um, she did have to go into hospital again over the last two nights because she suffered quite badly from jaundice, but praise God, she's back out and she's doing fine. And uh, we're very, very excited, aren't we? <laughs> and her aunties are all down there at the moment. And uh, yes, they're, uh, they're enjoying having uh, 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 their, their little baby there. So thank you so much for all your prayers and for your thoughts uh, leading up to this time. It's very much appreciated. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Nigel. Uh, just to note that um, if you want prayer after the service, then please contact Grandpa Nigel on 0770-704-987. And then you'll be put into a prayer room where somebody from the prayer team can join you. Uh, so just a reminder then, if you, need to, if you need prayer after the service, then call Nigel, or sorry, not call, but text Nigel um, on 0770, make sure you put your name on the, the text to set 0770 Um I'm now going to hand over to Inika because uh, this week we have got a BMS mission. We've got a video to show you in a little while, um, but I'm just going to hand over to Inika for her to uh, explain a little bit more. Thanks, Inika. Morning, everyone. Um, yeah, so we're celebrating harvest today, and as we have done the last few years, we're going to be uh, supporting BMS World Missions Harvest Appeal, which this year is called Operation Chad. Um, not a country that I hear a lot about, and maybe you do, but um, it's good to support that. It's looking at the work of a hospital there, which BMS supports. Um, I won't say much more because it's all in the video. Um, if you'd like to give in response to the video, then um, the link is in it. It's also in the news sheet and I'm gonna paste it in the chat, or if you'd rather not give online, um, then Evelyn does have some envelopes which you can request, um, or someone out with the paper news sheet. Um, um, yeah, it'd be great to support it. Obviously it's all a bit different this year, but the needs are great. They do, um, at the beginning, say that the video, most of the video was made before COVID, um, but there's a little bit at the beginning where they do talk to someone to see how things are going and then it will go into the main video. It's about seven minutes long, um, but worth a watch. So if we can have that now to see, that'd be great. Well, I'm, I'm praying every day that God will protect us. I pray that God will protect our team. So taking precautions, but praying a lot so that God will prevent us from being caught in uh, COVID. The heat is there and the fear of coronavirus is there. There is a lot of stress. How are you, are you tired? Well, <laughs> I'm still carrying on. Um, it's fine. That's my normal life. I feel like it's a privilege to take care of people and make sure that um, they're healthy. 
I'm so happy to do that every day, even though uh, in the evening I'm exhausted. But I, I will say, though, thank you because you have granted me um, the privilege to restore me and I will be able to do it tomorrow again. So I've seen God really moving because people come to the hospital desperate and they move out of the hospital full of joy. So I, I'm so happy to do that. Um, I'm committed to do more. It was raining, and the van I was driving skidded and flipped over. I was terrified. I lost consciousness for an hour. I couldn't see anything. I lost the ability to do anything. A doctor in Cameroon wanted to amputate my leg. I spent five months with traditional healers. I suffered terribly. My boss told me that he'd been in a similar accident. But when he went to Guinnambour II Hospital, he got better. That's why he brought me here. My leg is starting to heal. The doctors here are really looking after me. I think that by the grace of God, everything is going to be okay. For those who have no idea about Chad and about Guinnambour Hospital, um, Chad is a country where um, most of the people don't earn much to survive and, and they need care. So the most that most people come here because they know that they, have, they don't have much, but they will, we're going to care for them. I, I would say to anyone who is hearing this message, you can make a difference in many lives. My boy is alive thanks to this hospital. Coming here has strengthened my faith. I'm so happy. I trusted the midwives. I knew I'd have a good birth. If my family, my friend, my brother fell ill, I'd call Kabasu. You can save a life. You can bring someone to Jesus. That's for eternal life. So there is a lot to give. Today, I can give malaria treatments to patients who come to us. Today, I can diagnose over 30 patients. Will you help me? Today, I can give the right medicine to the people who desperately need it. Will you help me? Today, as a doctor, 
I'm pleased to heal people that come to this hospital. Today, as a midwife, I can help 10 mothers give birth. Today, I can help ensure that we give quality care to all of our patients. Today, I can pray with patients in the operating theatre. Will you help me? We have Jesus to give to people, but we have skills to give good quality care. It costs just £13 to ensure each patient receives the quality care they need. For £13 you could help us save a life. And if you could give more, £80 can provide a nurse to take care of critically ill patients for a whole week. And could your fellowship come together to raise £695? That would mean 52 patients being cared for, four life-saving surgeries and five babies making it safely into the world. We deliver babies, we remove cancers, we stitch up gunshots. We identify coronavirus symptoms and get sufferers the help they need. We bind up wounds and perform surgery. We pray for the brokenhearted. We show poor people a Christian welcome and we see them come to faith in Jesus. We do all of this every day. We do it through the heat and the long hours and the tears. We do it through the fear of Boko Haram. We do it because people here need us and because Jesus commands it. We do it thanks to you. I'm proud of the hospital because the hospital is really making a big difference. One thing I did forget to say, which um, I've put in the chat, is if you do give through the website, there's a little uh, red drop-down box, and in there you can choose Operation Chad because it's their general giving page. Thanks. Uh, back over to you, Steve. Thank you, Inika. Thank you, everyone, um, for uh, being patient and watching that. And it's amazing what God is doing in that. We're just, I'm just going to pray um, now for the, the work of, of BMS over in, in Chad and around the world but also pray for our health workers here um, in the UK with what we're going through. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the work of BMS. We thank you that um, through their, their, their giving, through um, the work that they do, that that hospital over in Chad has been um, performing many miracles, Lord, um, performing um, not just changed lives because of health but also change lives because of Jesus and we want to thank you for that Lord we thank you for the skills of the doctors and the nurses of the the care workers there and we just thank you that uh, they're supported by churches around this country giving and so Lord we thank you for that Lord we continue now to pray also for um, people involved in the healthcare sector within this country Lord we pray for our doctors and nurses our our care workers, those going into homes, those going um, in, um, in care homes, Lord. Um, we just pray for each one of them. Lord, we thank you for the skills that you've given and the care and compassion that you've given to each one of them. Lord, we just ask that you give them strength, uh, not just today, but throughout this week, throughout this month, throughout this year. Lord, when these testing times through coronavirus, Lord, we will thank you 
that you've you've given them compassion and skills and so lord we just pray that you would just be with each one of them now in the name of jesus amen so we're going to continue um, with our service and we're going to sing a good old rousing hymn to start us off love divine all loves excelling Thank you. 
to just unmute ourselves and just give our prayers of thanks and praise to our God and Father. So just unmute yourself and then 
mute yourself afterwards if you want to just pray out loud and I'll finish off. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And Lord, in this dry and desert-like experience that we're going through, we ask that your life-giving, thirst-quenching waters of your Holy Spirit would flow within us and that streams of living water would would flow this morning as we gather in Jesus' name, as we wait on him. We wait on the gift and power and life-giving work of the Holy Spirit in each one of us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 103 says, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives your sins and heals all your diseases, and who redeems your life from the depths and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed. He will not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him, for he knows how we are formed. Praise the Lord. Lord, we thank you that you are sovereign, that you are Lord, you are high and lifted up. And Lord, we thank you that through this whole situation that is going on within this country, Lord, you are still sovereign, you are still Lord, you are still creator God, you are still the healer. Lord, we just pray that um, you would just give those in authority wisdom to know what's right. Lord, there's lots of mixed messages going around. And so, Lord, we just pray for clear messaging. We pray for guidance for those in authority. Lord, we pray for our, our church, Lord, and the churches that are joining us. Lord, we, we thank you for them and for each person that's been on today. We pray for those who aren't able to do Zoom, who aren't able to make it. Lord, we, we pray that you would just be with them, Lord, and just help each person that, that can't be here today. But for, for our church, Lord, we do pray that, that we would continue to be an influence in our community. Lord, as the Hope magazines go out, Lord, just give hope to our community and to, our, and to all those around us. Lord, we want to be a beacon of light um, in, in this area. Um, and so, Lord, we just pray that you would just help us as our witness goes out to, to others. Lord, just be with us, we ask, in Jesus' name. Amen. So now we have um, an all-age talk given by Mark, um, and I'll just move on to the, the video. Well, good morning, everyone. Today, Martin is going to be talking to us about walking in the light of Jesus. So I thought I'd tell you a poem this morning. It's actually quite a famous poem written by a guy called John G. Sachs, and it's based on an old Indian proverb. It's called the six blind men and the elephant. Some of you might know it. Now, I should explain that some of the language is a little bit old. And when I say quoth, it means said and things like that. So don't worry about it too much. So here goes. It was six men of Indistan to learning much inclined who went to see 
the elephant. Though all of them were blind, that each by observation might satisfy his mind. The first approached the elephant and happening to fall against his broad and sturdy side at once began to bawl. God bless me, but the elephant is nothing but a wall. The second feeling of the tusk cried, Ho, what have we here? So very round and smooth and sharp. To me, tis mighty clear. This wonder of an elephant is very like a spear. The third approached the animal and happening to take the squirming trunk within his hands, thus boldly up and spake. I see, quoth he, the elephant is very like a snake. The fourth reached out his eager hand and felt about the knee. What most this wondrous beast is like is mighty plain, quoth he. Tis clear enough, the elephant is very like a tree. The fifth, who chanced to touch the ear, said, e'en the blindest man can tell what this resembles most, deny the fact who can, this marvel of the elephant is very like a fan. The sixth no sooner had begun about the beast to grope than seizing on the swinging tail that fell within his scope. I see, quoth he, the elephant is very like a rope. And so these men of Indistan disputed loud and long, each in his own opinion, exceeding stiff and strong. Though each was partly in the right, they all were in the wrong. So, you see, none of the blind men really knew what the elephant was like. They couldn't envision the whole elephant because they only touched one part of it each. They needed someone to explain to them the bigger picture. That if they put all the different parts that they touched together, they would get a better impression of what an elephant was really like. And so too for us. We can't always see the big picture but we only see a glimpse. How often do we jump to the wrong conclusion with only limited information? I know I do. We need someone to enlighten us. And guess what? That someone is Jesus. When he was on earth, on many occasions, Jesus gave sight to the blind. But he didn't only come to earth to heal the blind, to give physical sight. 
but spiritual sight as well. Through his teaching, his healing, his miracles, the way he lived his life, his wisdom, and his relationship with his father. He showed us how we should live. Yet, he referred to the Pharisees as the blind leading the blind, even though they could see. They were blind because they did not accept Jesus. They didn't walk in the light of Jesus' revelation and were thus spiritually blind, just like the wise men of Indostan. They didn't see the big picture. Jesus is the light of the world and it is only through him we can have a greater understanding of the glory of God and it's only through him that we can be brought back into relationship with the Father. So don't be blind like the Pharisees but walk in the light of Jesus. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. So now we've got our reading, which is today from 1 John 1, verses 5 to 10. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Oh, he's doing the reading. And the blood of Jesus, his son. Thank you, dear. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Let's just pray for Martin as he comes to speak. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's life to each one of us. And Lord, we just ask now that you would just anoint Martin as he speaks. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Steve. And uh, thank you to Mark and to Inika for taking part and uh, presenting this morning. Um, looking this morning at walking in the light. Um, and uh, I want to look at the at sin um, and uh, what the Bible uh, defines as sin. Well, the Bible defines sin with reference to who God is. So verse five um, says this. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. Um, there's no trace of darkness in God. He is morally perfect in all aspects, perfect in justice, perfect in truth, perfect in love, perfect in knowledge and so on. There isn't the smallest hint or trace of darkness that is moral impurity in God 
Um, and light is a really rich uh, metaphor, isn't it, for, for God? Because light creates and sustains life, which is why it was created first by God in the book of Genesis. Light makes life pleasant and safe. Life reveals, light reveals what is hidden. Light and dark um, as metaphors are really helpful because light and dark cannot exist in the same space. It is either light or dark. And according to the Bible, all human beings have the sin of darkness in us. None of us is perfectly pure and full of light as God is light. And because God is light and pure um, and there is darkness in us, we are separated from fellowship with God because light and darkness cannot exist in the same space. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus, the light of the world, came into the darkness of our sin and the evil and injustice of our world, and he invited us into fellowship with God, as John says in his gospel, John 1 verse 9, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. So Jesus gives the light of his presence to all people who believe in him. In other words, we can have fellowship with God who is light, even though we have darkness in us, the light of Christ transforms that darkness into light when we believe in him. And as the song we sung says, if we believe in Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life, we will receive the light of God's presence and enjoy fellowship uh, with God. I don't know if you've noticed, but um, sin is not a popular topic outside the church or even inside the church. So we might say, whatever happened to sin? Um, and uh, it's, 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 you might say, well, has it ever been uh, a popular teaching? Um, well, maybe not. But the church's teaching on sin is often caricatured today as something that makes people feel unnecessarily guilty. Um, so we don't talk about sin because it weighs us down with guilt, which we shouldn't have. And the idea as falling short of a moral standard set by God, who is light, has largely disappeared. Rather than being seen now as spiritual issues, struggles with guilt or shame or low mood are seen as sickness which only need a therapeutic cure. So our culture has largely lost a sense of the spiritual as involved in shame and guilt. Uh, we tend to approach things from a purely psychological or therapeutic uh, view. Now, mental health is very important, and it's right that we have this focus uh, at the moment on mental health awareness. Absolutely right. A good thing. But the world is not just a material place. The world is a spiritual place, and the Bible insists that people's low moods and guilt and shame are not just um, sicknesses or psychological dysfunction that have to be cured by psychological and therapeutic means. There is a spiritual reality to the world. And the, and the claim of the scripture is that issues of guilt and shame can only fully be resolved by God in dealing with our sin. And so this is why so much mental health problems exist in our societies because guilt and shame are not being dealt with spiritually. Um, psychological cures can go so far, but they cannot resolve 
the problem of relationship with God, which is fundamental to our well-being and happiness and joy. Our society largely says that as individuals, we have no sin. We have not sinned and we don't need forgiveness for our sin. Um, sin is often caricatured um, or excused as kind of psychological dysfunction, as sickness. Or people talk about or blame um, genetics or the way that they were raised or their lack of education, poor parenting, um, woundedness or scars. So kind of sin has been kind of absorbed into a therapeutic uh, mindset. We've lost the whole awareness of the spiritual dimension of life. Now, this is, a, this is a serious loss for our society. And the world is not getting better for it. As I will show later, the darkness is actually increasing. So this loss of the spiritual has not resulted in a society that's happy and contented, but mental health issues are actually increasing, even though our opportunities and technology is increasing too. Um, morality these days is often described in terms of what works for the individual. So the language is, is often reduced to make good choices. Have you heard that? Morality is defined as, well, make a good choice for you so long as it doesn't do harm to others. But there's an obvious problem with this approach to morality. Um, what's good for me may not be good for you. What's harmful to you may not be harmful to me. And so to reduce sort of moral issues to individual choice in reality doesn't work because there is no external compass for moral behavior. We're reduced as human beings to kind of individualizing it, but it simply doesn't work across our society. Um, and what is legal in society is not always aligned with what God defines as moral. The secular values around gender identity and sexual ethics simply at the moment do not align with what God teaches in the Bible. So we, we either move the teaching and compromise on the teaching of what God actually says, which is effectively to undermine God's authority over us, or we submit to God's standards in his word. Um, John doesn't muck around in his word. Um, he talks here about if we deny that we are sinners, we call God effectively a liar. So we're either going to submit to God's external moral standards, or we're going to set ourselves up as little gods who decide what is right and wrong. And as Christians, we cannot do that. We cannot just capitulate to the culture and decide that God no, lo no longer knows best. Um, I read a fascinating article uh, recently called The Strange Persistence of Guilt, uh, which I commend to you. Um, our society has lost um, its moral compass in terms of a shared code of morality. So we are left with human beings trying to define our own set of moral standards. Now, this freeing of ourselves from a kind of external moral standard was supposed to result in a reduced sense of guilt and shame. But I wonder, has it worked in practice? Well, William McClay, who's a Christian from the University of Virginia, writes in the journal, The Hedgehog Review, which is a, a journal of cultural analysis, of the strange persistence of guilt in our culture. He writes that 
our scientific and technological advances, alongside a rising disbelief in God, have resulted in us feeling that we are now entirely responsible. In other words, God's not in the picture. We are now responsible for the state of the world. And because we humans possess an innate desire for purity and to feel morally justified and to feel to be right with the world, our failure to achieve this has resulted in an increased sense of guilt. So no wonder um, mental health issues have proliferated at this time. When, when we look around the world, we see deforestation, we see um, structural poverty, we see environmental problems, we see water pollution, we see loss of species, we see racism, we see slavery, inequality. And the problem that we have is that we've run with this narrative that technology and science are making the world a better place. And yet our, our lived experience is one of failure because we see that that simply isn't happening. And Maclay says that the problem for our Western culture is what do you do with this increased sense of guilt and moral failure? Well, if you don't confess it, if you don't bring it to God and receive forgiveness, what do you do with it? Well, Maclay's answer is we end up with a victim culture. We find ourselves identifying as or with victims. Our guilt is offloaded onto others. We call them our oppressors. We see this on social media, particularly on Twitter, with one side of the political debate blaming the other for racism, violence, injustice. The level of anger and resentment in our culture, in case you haven't noticed, is rising exponentially. And this is because we have nowhere to take our guilt and shame and sin. We don't confess it, we don't deal with it, we simply blame others. We use others as scapegoats to deal with our sense of moral failure and guilt. Maclay summarizes, our moral economy is broken because we live in an incoherent post-Christian moral economy that has not entirely abandoned the concept of sin, but lacks the power of forgiveness and of cleansing from sin, without which no moral system can be bearable. That's quite a statement, isn't it? But he's right. Only God can deal with the underlying problems of our guilt and shame and sin. Now, in case you're wondering what on earth has this got to do with the text, well, what I'm trying to show is that the, the problem of the deception and lies of no sin and no guilt is not, an, is not a new thing in our culture. This has been around for thousands of years. John writes into a situation where there were false teachers teaching that people were not sinning. He said in verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So John confronts this false teaching in the churches because there were false teachers denying and excusing sin. And this had caused a number of people to follow these false teachers out of the church. And yet they were still claiming to follow Jesus. They were saying, we're not sinners. We don't need to confess our sin. And they were following these false teachers out of the church. You see, the false teachers believed that matter was evil and that the soul could become pure through higher knowledge and spiritual enlightenment. In other words, they separated the body, the physical body, from the soul. Um, and 
This is why they denied that Jesus really came in the flesh. Because they saw the human body as evil and matter as evil, they said that Jesus wasn't really fully human as well as fully God, because the divine couldn't mix with the evil material body. So they claimed that at his baptism, the divine Christ came temporarily upon the human Christ and then left the human Christ at his crucifixion. So Jesus was temporarily able to do miracles as in his time on earth because the spirit rested on him, the divine Christ rested on him for a temporary period of time. But Jesus, the divine Christ, was not crucified and was not raised from the dead. Um, so this was a heresy that John confronts. And John wants to show that it matters how we live in the human body because Jesus Christ was fully God as well as fully human. And so Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life in his human body. So we are called to follow in his footsteps, to live in the light as he is in the light. So we move to walking, the choice we have, walking in the darkness or light. Now, Walking in, walking in scripture is another metaphor for the way that we live, and it includes our speech, our conduct, our attitudes, everything. And to live by the truth means more than just assenting to or confessing that I believe in Jesus. You see, we can sing that song, I believe in God the Father, I believe in God the Son, and yet it's possible to live in such a way that denies the truth of what we claim to believe. In other words, we, as Christians, we have to do more than just consent or assent to truth. We have to live in a way that means that we walk in the light of Christ's presence. We need to walk the walk as well as talk the talk. Plenty of people say they believe in God and yet do not follow Christ in practice. So truth needs to be lived out and embodied. John says if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. Wow, what a statement. It is not enough to claim that you believe in Jesus. If you do not live by the light, you're a liar, says John. That's pretty strong, isn't it? So there are plenty of people claiming to be Christians who live just like the world in darkness, who, whose lives are no different from the culture around them. That will not do, says John. You're a liar. Your life lacks integrity. There must be a moral integrity between what you confess about the truth and the way that you live and embody the truth. Um, God is faithful and just, and he will forgive us when we confess our sin. Um, that is what John is saying here. If we live the truth, we will submit to God and we will confess that we are sinners. We will, we will not deny or explain away our sin. We'll not try to scapegoat or blame it on the other people. We'll not blame our genetic predisposition or our parenting or our background. We will be honest with God and we will confess our sin and we will be forgiven. That is the good news. Verse 7, John says, the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Jesus was fully God and fully human. He is uniquely qualified to cleanse us from sin because he could form a bridge between us and God. In his humanity and divinity, 
Jesus could bring us to God. He could bring us into fellowship, the light of God's presence, because he was fully divine and fully human. But to continue to enjoy walking in the light, we must confess that we have sinned and that we are sinners, and we will continue to enjoy the light and fellowship of God's presence. The issue is so serious that John says in verse 10, Uh, if we can pull up verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our sin, our lives. So if, if we don't confess sin and we claim that we have not sinned, we call God a liar. Now, you might say, well, I would never do that. But maybe we are too ashamed to confess some of the sins that have become repeating patterns to God. And we've kind of swept them under the carpet, as it were. We're trying to hide them from God. Or maybe we make excuses for our sin. Maybe, maybe we blame it on circumstances or other people. You know, some, some Christians are so ashamed of repeating or hab habitual sin that they've stopped confessing it to God out of shame. That will not do, says John. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. Some of us have got too comfortable with sinful patterns in our lives, and we've almost said to God, take me as I am. Well, again, if we want to walk in the fellowship of the light as God's presence, we need to deal with these sins and bring them out in the open. We are cleansed through confession. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. What a wonderful promise that is, isn't it? He will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In other words, if we accept that Christ's blood was shed for our purification, and we're honest to God, we're honest with God, and we bring our failure and sin and shame to him, he promises to forgive us. No matter what we've done, no matter how many times we're caught in a cycle of sin, God promises to forgive us. Um, some, some people feel, well, you know, that the sin I did back there was so bad, how could someone possibly forgive me? Well, God promises all unrighteousness or every sin, as other translations put it. Every single sin. There is no sin or unrighteousness that is outside God's forgiveness. We just bring it to him. And even if you're trapped in a repeating habit or cycle of sin, God forgives you when you confess it. So don't deny sin. Don't excuse it. Don't blame it on the other circumstances. Confess it and you will receive forgiveness. Jesus didn't come into the world to be a great moral teacher. He came to provide atonement for sin and to deal with our guilt and shame. Many people outside the church today claim that Jesus was just a great moral teacher. But that wasn't why he came to earth. Jesus, the light of the world, came into the darkness of our world so that by believing in him, uh, the darkness of our guilt and sin might be transformed and we might have fellowship with God. That's why he came. It's true, of course, that when we first become a Christian, we are forgiven and cleansed once and for all. We are given a new status as children of God. We are adopted as sons into the family of God. That is forgiveness for past sin. But John also teaches in his letter that Jesus also died to break the power of sin 
over us so that we do not keep repeating the same sins over and over again in the present and the future. So in order to continue to enjoy the light of fellowship with God, we need to keep walking in the light. And we walk in the light by keeping his commands, by loving others, but also by continually confessing our sin. Um, because sin breaks our fellowship with God, we need to keep confessing our sin so that Christ's light can extinguish the darkness in us. Let me uh, illustrate this, uh, continuing to walk in the light. I was sitting in our lounge recently, and it was one of those autumnal dark days with a really black sky. And um, there was a beam of sunlight just shone across the room, and it, was, it just caught my eye, and it was really beautiful just for a moment. I saw this beam of light. And then I noticed that in the beam of sunlight, there were lots of dust particles just flying around in that beam of light. And then my eye was drawn to some of the surfaces in the room, which I noticed were covered with light. And so I was able to get up and get a duster and sweep off some of the surfaces. Now you don't have dust in your houses, but sometimes we do. And it reminded me that, we, that the light reveals and shows up the dusty corners of our hearts. That there are dusty corners of habits and sinful patterns in our lives, which we need to have purified and cleaned by confession. Karen Jobes, in her wonderful commentary on 1 Job, summarizes this way. Only by recognizing God's sovereign rule over all human beings can we truly know God, accept Christ, and mature spiritually. The way to be healthy as a Christian is to let God be God in his purity and light, and for us to bring the darkness of our sin and our habit, habits and sinful patterns of, of behavior oh, to God you, and have them confessed and cleansed through confession. That is the way to be happy in him. That is the way to mature spiritually, is to come to Christ and ask him to break the power of sin in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit and through his word. And maybe for some of you, there are repeating patterns of sin, habits in your lives that you need some prayer for, and you can receive prayer for that after this service, that you keep falling into these habits and you sense the darkness and the separation with God. Well, Christ would have you set free from that habitual sin today. So please stay and receive some prayer for that. Or maybe you're someone struggling with real guilt for a past sin, and Christ would have you set free and have his light shine in the darkness and cleanse you and give you, restore the joy in you. Stay and get some prayer. Contact Nigel on the number and ask for some prayer today. God wants us to enjoy the light of his fellowship. He wants us to walk in his purity and light. He doesn't want us weighed down with guilt and shame. We need to walk the walk as well as talk the talk. It's God who defines the moral standards for our lives, not secular society. We have to live with the moral consequences of our decisions and confess our sin. The secular world has no tools for dealing with sin and guilt and shame. But we still live in a moral world. Secular people are recognizing injustice, inequality, hate, wrongdoing. But the problem is it's become a victim culture and a scapegoating culture. The anger levels on Facebook and Twitter and 
everywhere else are just rising and rising because we have no mechanism, no tools for dealing with our shame and guilt. And yet Christ has come light into the darkness to transform our darkness and to bring the light of his forgiveness and presence. If we confess our sin, we will receive forgiveness and peace and fellowship with God. As we walk in the light of fellowship with God, Jesus gives us meaning, purpose, joy, eternal life, the light of his presence. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are the light of the world and that you came into the darkness to transform the darkness of our sin and guilt and shame so that we might have fellowship with God and enjoy a relationship with him. Father, I pray for those this morning who are struggling with the darkness and guilt of repeating sin patterns and habits that are making them feel distant from you, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would help us all to bring you the dusty corners of our hearts, to allow your, the light of your presence to cleanse us as we confess our sin. So, Lord, we bring you our lives. We bring you our darkness. Lord, we just want to say this morning that we have not loved you with all our heart, soul, mind and strength, and we haven't loved our neighbour as ourselves. Lord, we've excused sin. We've blamed others for sin and failure. And Lord, we've not confessed our sin and we've not continued to walk in the light of your presence. Father, have mercy on us. Through the blood of Christ, purify us and cleanse us from all sin and enable us by your spirit to walk in freedom and joy, in fellowship, in, in your light. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, there, there, I sense this morning there are a number of people who are struggling with, with, with guilt for past sin or sense of failure. A number of you who, who just need to be released into a more joyful fellowship in the light of God's presence. Well, please, please, please ask for prayer. The number, Steve, can stick it on the screen in a moment. Please text Nigel and ask for prayer and uh, just get someone to pray with you. Maybe you want to confess um, something to, to that person and just, just kind of allow God to bring healing and forgiveness and purifying presence to you. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Martin. Um, so as, as Martin said, um, I will be putting the, the, um, the number for Nigel up at uh, the end of the service. Um, just before we sing our last hymn, by the way, I, I did forget to mention Ron and Alice's 60th wedding anniversary. What an amazing achievement. Um, and we just congratulate you both. Um, and it's actually quite fitting because they've led a life that's just shone out, shone out Jesus. Um, and so we're going to finish with singing. We have this treasure in jars of clay. May we shine like stars. Treasure in jars of clay for all our frailty. You have entrusted us to shine your goodness and light throughout the nations. We may be pressed hard from every side, but we will not be crushed 
your hope will strengthen us and when the hard times squeeze so tight may they release more of the fragrance of jesus and let your glory shine oh let your glory shine oh let your glory shine through our lives by your grace may we overflow with jesus in jars of clay for all our frailty you have entrusted us to shine your goodness in life throughout the nations we may be praised up from every side but we will not be crushed your hope will strengthen us and when the hard times squeeze so tight May they release more of the fragrance of Jesus and let your glory shine. Oh, let your glory shine. Oh, let your glory shine. Through our lives, by your grace, may we overflow with Jesus. May we shine like, may we shine like. May we shine like stars in the darkness. May we shine like, may we shine like, may we shine like stars in the darkness. May we shine like, may we shine like, may we shine like stars in the darkness. May we shine like, may we shine like, may we shine like stars. And let your glory shine. Oh, let your glory shine. Oh, let your glory shine. Through our lives, by your grace, may we overflow with Jesus. Let your glory shine. Oh, let your glory shine. Oh, let your glory shine. Through our lives, by your grace, may we overflow with Jesus. So just a reminder then, if you want some prayer, after the service, then please call or text Nigel on 0770-704-987. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it reaches right down to our core, to our heart. And Lord, just change our hearts. May we shine like stars this week, Lord, in all that we say and do. Lord, if you want us to come and confess something, Lord, then please just stir our hearts. Moved by your Holy Spirit now, I pray. And so, Father God, we thank you for all that we've been through today. Lord, send us out into the week, shining like stars, being witnesses, being people who are true, walking in the light. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>